0: Hello and welcome to episode one, season five of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson and thank you for listening to the season five debut of the podcast. I hope you had a wonderful summer and it feels good to be back with you here on YXE Underground. So the sound you're hearing right now, I'm just going to put my microphone down. I don't know if you can hear this. Maybe you can't hear this. It's its really quiet. i am I'm in Gabriel Dumont Park. Right now, I'm right along the river, just like uh, a couple inches away from the water. Um, there's a beaver swimming near us. There's people paddleboarding on the river. Um, it's it's just a really lovely scene. Although it's getting dark out earlier, I have noticed that. Um, but it's a beautiful Sunday evening, um, and and this river defines so much about our city. Uh, our fresh water comes from this river. We canoe, kayak, paddleboard like three guys are right now on the river. Many of us hike along it um, on the Muawson Valley Trail and it would be hard to be a bridge city if we didn't have a river in the first place. Our community relies on the South Saskatchewan River, but we're certainly not the only ones that do. Farmers use the river to irrigate their crops, to help feed the province and the world, and there are big plans on the provincial level to expand irrigation for agricultural use. Combine that with the impact of climate change, and we are heading on a path here in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan where making the most of our freshwater resources will be vital. Enter Philip Harder to this story. Philip is a research associate for the Centre for Hydrology at the University of Saskatchewan. He has a PhD in hydrology and is a member of a national team called the Global Water Future Research Project. He's a very smart and a very kind man. Philip spends long hours researching ways our communities and especially people involved in agriculture can best use their fresh water resources. Sometimes that involves digging holes in the middle of a freshly
1: harvested field. Yeah, we're at like what is it, 40, 50 centimeters now? Well, that's ten. We're at fifty or so. It is getting moister, yeah. but at the same time. Not really. It's not really changing. Yeah. Um, The texture is changing, and and as I'm going, we're getting into more clays now. Right. So that's what's causing it to stick. But the moisture hasn't increased. Right? Yeah. And so this is this is my concern right now. So we had a really big drought. We've had actually a number of years that have been dry. Mm -hmm. Um, But Which means that, sure, we've been able to grow crops because the surface has been able to buffer all those differences. But we haven't had an opportunity for the depth, the the moisture at depth, to recover. So. Do you dig a lot of holes? Not as many as I'd like. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great answer. Yeah. Well, it's you. every time you do it, you learn something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. You can never dig enough. And other times it means flying
0: a very expensive drone over glaciers high up in the Rocky Mountains.
1: There obviously are times when you're, like, sitting on the ridge and you're at 2,500 meters elevation above the tree line and it's beautiful snow everywhere, and you're like, okay, this is pretty cool, Yeah. you know. Um, but then... You have to pivot from that to being like, okay, well, that really expensive drone that's flying in the air, I don't want that to crash, right? And I want to make sure as well that we're actually collecting data.
0: What I love about Philip is his passion to help others understand where their water comes from and how they can best use it in their lives. Before we get to my conversation with Philip, I want to introduce you to a gentleman named Jay Familietti. For the past four years, Jay has lived in Saskatoon, serving as the Executive Director for the Global Water Institute of Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan. He also hosts an amazing podcast called What About Water, a locally produced podcast focusing on water issues across the globe. Jay is a fan of Phillips Research and says Saskatoon is on the right track when it comes to water conservation.
2: I think being a river city... And uh, being a river city in the in the middle of a, a big agricultural province is, really raises awareness. Um, and so I have found at all levels, from individuals, neighbors, to people that I work with at the university, to elected officials, uh, both in the province and, and, uh, um, and even nationally, a great awareness um and a great understanding and i'll tell you i'm super impressed a couple of years ago i started meeting with the city i've only been here for four years a couple of years i started meeting with the city and uh really uh respect the work that's being done to manage our water to manage it sustainably and to plan for climate change so overall it's like an a plus relationship
0: You'll hear Philip's insights into Saskatoon's relationship with our freshwater in the first part of our conversation. But perhaps you're wondering how he became so interested in the world of hydrology. Philip's love of water started when he was seven years old. He grew up on a farm just south of Clavet, Saskatchewan, which is about 15 minutes southeast of Saskatoon. The farm relied on dugouts and sloughs to water its livestock. One day, he saw a culvert sticking straight up out of the ground near an alkaline lake. This piqued his seven-year-old mind. When I met Philip south of Clavette on a scorching hot day in early August, we were a short walk away from this very interesting culvert. We walked through a field of tall barley and arrived at a very odd-looking culvert. Take it
1: away, Philip. A very unassuming culvert stuck vertically into the ground. And you wouldn't look at this twice if you're driving past because it looks like a piece of trash (laughs) right Uh but it's it's this thing that doesn't make sense as as a young kid it didn't make sense to me and now it does (laughs) (laughs) because the the wonderful thing about prairies is that like we're a water scarce place Mm -hmm. right um and When water shows up, at least for me, it was like, okay, that's weird, first off, right? Because we don't have enough moisture. We don't have lakes. We have this alkali slough here, which has a little bit of water in the middle. But good luck getting to it. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried. (laughs) Um, So, like... You know we're we're here in the prairies and we're trying to live. We're trying to do agriculture, and you know, okay, water rain falls, and we can grow grass and we can go grow crops. We just walked through this barley.
0: It was a nice field too. It was yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, you should have seen it last year. As in, it it wasn't barley. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it was canola, but it was uh, less than okay. Less than nice. Um, <laughs> So like how do we, how do we do this right? Uh, and so rain is more important. You know you need more rain more than just to grow crops. You need it to like feed livestock as well. Like you need to have sources of water for livestock for spraying things, right? So where where does that come from? And so we have a lot of dugouts, obviously, um, but here we don't. Uh, and if you look, so so that water. I'm going to say, well, the water has pulled back because it's been super dry. Um, And we're looking at that maybe 200 yards out. Um, Last year, we were, started the year this thing was lapping at the shores. You kind of see where that brown transition is? Yes. That's where it was last year. Okay. So it's really pulled back because we're in a dry period. Yeah. So everything's evaporating. Off we go. So, yeah. And then right here, if you look into here. You have to look up and kind okay. of peek over. But, look we're at, looking into
0: the culvert now.
1: We're looking into the culvert. Okay. So,
0: oh yeah. Oh.
1: So, yeah, you got water down there, right? Yeah. And everyone's depth perception is really weird, right? <laughs> so, is that. It seems to me that it's lower than. Yes. Than the water out there. Yes. Right? But, this water. You need to test it first. Yeah. Um, historically, it was good enough that we could feed our, water our livestock off of. Okay. Right? So, why is that gross and this not? Oh. I right. don't know why. Gradients.
0: Oh. Right? And so, so, Philip, you, when you were a kid,
1: this, like, this intrigued you, hey? It was one of the, every kid is like just annoying and like doesn't really want to like really engage with their environment, yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah. know, you know. Um, you were a kid. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so maybe I didn't like subcon, maybe outwardly I was probably trying to act cool. Yeah. But there was something deep down yeah. that really fundamentally didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And you wanted the answers. I wanted the answers. That's so cool. Philip explained to me how chemical and physical
0: gradients created this unique dynamic on his family's land. If you ever run into Philip, buy him a beer, and ask him to explain pressure gradients, it's pretty cool. After Philip explained the science behind this unique culvert, and thereby answering the questions he had when he was seven years old, I asked how he would describe Saskatoon's relationship with water.
1: Disconnected? (laughs) So there's two reasons for that. So Saskatoon... Your water doesn't come from the area you live, right? It comes from the river. It comes from the Rockies, right? So um, it's the South Saskatchewan River is well, <laughs> an exotic river, right? So the water we're, we're drawing from, it comes from a different place. Like in an extreme case, the Nile, right? Cairo, Sit is completely dependent. Egypt in general is dependent upon the Nile none of the water comes from there, right? It comes from outside. Right. So so when we talk about Saskatoon, we, we feel the prairie climate, but the water we rely on is not, <laughs> right? Yeah. So here we are, we're just sweating away, right? And yeah, there, there's a movement of water from well you and me back to the atmosphere because we're sweating from all the stuff transpiring around us it's just headed back to the atmosphere and so you know depending on where you're starting from you know a hot day thing seems like oh we're kind of in trouble right you know where's where's the water going to come from well maybe that's just me (laughs) but you know where the water comes from for Saskatoon or for the city and the surrounding areas is, is, has really nothing to do with where we are. So that's why I call it disconnected.
0: Oh. Is it, um, because when I hear the word disconnected, I, I, I immediately think of like a negative connotation. But is it, is it negative or, or is it just like, that's just kind of a fact and, and most people understand that?
1: Um, in this case, I think we're really lucky have a disconnected water supply. Why is that? Well, last year, we had a horrible drought, right? We were running water deficits in the prairies like crazy. Um, agriculture was hammered. Uh, and Saskatoon, did you ever talk about having water restrictions? Yeah. No, no, you were you were doing good, right? Um, and so in that case... Like, the prairie climate is extreme. It's all over the map. And so, to be dependent upon that is really kind of a risky thing to be. A risky place to be. But, this is what farming is, right? So, this is, farmers are dealing with it, but city people are not. So, that's why it's good for Saskatoon, that it is disconnected. Um, But... It also, then there is the other part of that that is physically disconnected from, from its water supply. But then it's also, in a sense, disconnected from some of the challenges that we're facing. Right. Did, did you see that last summer? The disconnection? Yeah. Uh, I don't spend a lot of my time trying to, like, bridge urban-rural divides.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um... But yeah, like you, I don't know. So I, am living on an acreage, you know, between here and Saskatoon. Yeah. So, um, we, we, we're on city water, you know, and we have a well that we can water our livestock and off we go. Um, and so it's one of these things of like, we haven't really been put through the ringer on this one, um, ever. Uh, we haven't faced those challenges. And so, yeah, like driving through the city and like, you know, the classic thing is, you know, watering lawns, right? It just seems so extravagant to a hydrologist (laughs) as we're dealing with the drought. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's things like that of like, do you know (laughs) the implications of what you are doing? But we haven't been challenged by it.
0: Okay. So when you're, when you're driving into work or like driving to the university and you see people watering their lawn in the midst of a, of a drought, of a heat dome, um, what, what does go through your mind? Like, is it, is there, is there a part of you that's like, you know, oh, I wish I could explain to them what they're doing or is it just like hydrologist rage, if that's a thing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like road rage, you know, like, well, it depends, everyone expresses it differently, Yeah. you know, but you know, there'll be like some muttering and I'll make some like... I don't know, comment to my family in the vehicle if they're with me and be like, "Oh, look at that person watering in the middle of the day. It's so inefficient," you know. Um, inherently, watering a lawn is not a bad thing. Like I don't want to, don't, don't, don't think that I'm gonna pound that drum. Yeah. Um, because we do have the water. We we still have the water, and we have. You know, very smart people that do manage these things well. And, like, we haven't been... I I say that well because we haven't had the situation where we are in a situation where we need to start doing water restrictions. Like, we are not in the southern states at the moment, right? Where they are facing some serious situations. Um, I don't know. Down the road, though... This is where we probably need to start thinking about these things because, um, the South Saskatchewan, like any water is a finite resource, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, what, what, what's going to happen 50 years from now? Um, we've got climate change headed our way. We've got, which means that the water sources in the Rockies will be changing timing of that is kind of the big thing right we're pushing melt earlier it's probably going to be slower but and we're losing glaciers so late seasons are going to be a little different so is that going to change the change in timing has implications Um, changes in quantity it's going to be hard as well to figure that one out uh, but the numbers are showing that it's going to be less it's not more so and but we have growing populations in our cities we talk about irrigation expansion in the province here um alberta huge irrigation going on there they're gonna want to keep irrigating right so you build an infrastructure you're not going to want to let that sit right and so um choices will be made at times and so right now we're good Right now, it's great. Right now, disconnection is fine. <laughs> you know, down the road, though, that's where, yeah, we need to have a little bit more, I guess, hydrological literacy, okay. I guess. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So may I ask
0: then, with, can you explain then to the listeners, like, how, how your research thing is maybe helping that hydrological literacy? Because I, I just think that's so interesting.
1: Yeah. So there's, so I do a lot of different things. Um, but the kind of the main thing that my, I don't know, you go through grad studies and you do projects that your supervisor is kind of like, Hey, you should do this. You'd be really good at that, you know? And so, you know, you do you get a broad spectrum of projects under your belt and and skills and stuff. And so I've done snow in the prairies to snow in the mountains. And I've, you know, we've been flying LIDAR and glaciers, mapping ice volumes. And uh, we were working on a project with water quality and Buffalo Pound mapping that. And like, it's, you get all sorts. And so right now the pivot is more so in the focusing is trying to talk about Trying to understand agro hydrology so that's kind of the the term i will call myself um, and so that's basically trying to figure out well what's the connection between the hydrology of a place and agricultural production right so crops need water to grow this is the thing we don't have water crops don't grow so um is it as simple as, you know, rainfall in the summer and whatever soil moisture we started the year with? Yes. <laughs> but what are there that we can do to make it better? How can we increase the resilience in our system to buffer extremes, right? So so the work I'm doing is trying to understand, well, how much do what crops need to grow You know, what are the thresholds that will make us concerned? Um, And what kind of practices can we do as, you know, within agriculture to, you know, increase the amount of water available to crops? Because generally that is the problem on the prairies is a deficit of water. Don't tell that to Manitoba right now. (laughs) Um, But also on the flip side, what do we do when it gets too wet? You know, so how do we, how do we moderate extremes to have good growth in the middle? So that's kind of like the big picture of what I'm working on.
0: Thank you for, I I understood that. So I feel, I feel like if I can understand that, everyone can understand that, but, um, that, yeah, you must
1: love what you do. Um, yes, (laughs) I, I quite enjoy it. Uh, it's one of those things of like every now and then it's like, oh, this is cool i get to do this for a job and then you have to like fill out like travel requisitions and (laughs) p card reconciliations that i'm notoriously late on and all of the other stuff and so yeah it's still a job right you still have things that you have to do but at the end of the day what i'm working on is what i want to do what i want to do is this and i'm quite excited about it
0: You're listening to the Season 5 debut of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and my guest is hydrologist Philip Harder. Listen and follow to YXE Underground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, GoodPods, yxeunderground.com, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You can see some great photos of Philip on his acreage taken by my friend Ronna Andres on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Simply search YXE Underground on social media. You have heard how much Philip loves his job, minus the paperwork of course, and I think how we use water resources in Saskatoon and throughout the prairies is an issue that will become more important in the years to come. Philip is sharing his research through a national research project called Global Water Futures that features researchers from across Canada looking at how we can best use our fresh water. A big question is whether people will listen to researchers like Philip. It's a question Jay Eddy from the University of Saskatchewan's Global Water Institute is familiar with. He says that Saskatoon and Saskatchewan cannot escape the impact of climate change, which is why getting information to the public, whether it be in an academic paper, government policy, social media, or even a podcast, is so important. I asked Jay over Zoom if people are open to knowledge being shared by scientists like himself and Philip.
2: Well, it's really a mix. Uh, and... And the reason why it's hard to get it, I think we have to study like human psychology to really understand why people resist and stick to their uh, preconceived notions about, about what they think is happening, which are, you know, in the case of no climate change or no change in the hydrology, that's just, that's just not true. Um, so it has been a mix. Um, and the experience that, that Philip has had is the same experience that I've had you can often be preaching to the choir which is great but you know what's really more important is to be able to reach those uh people who are a little bit more difficult to convince and try to figure out a way whether it's through you know some of the animations that philip is making with his drones or whether it's through uh a podcast like this or um you know later today i'm talking to someone who is a former political cartoonist or you know movies whatever we can do we need
0: to do getting the message out to farmers is something philip takes a lot of pride in and you'll hear him explain why in the second part of our conversation which took place in a different field south of clevet now this field had just been harvested so there was nothing but barley stubble on it except for a very expensive piece of equipment called an Energy Balance Monitoring System. It measures various moisture levels and costs a lot of money. I asked Philip if I could touch it. He wisely said no. I first noticed Philip on Twitter because he was visiting so many interesting places in Western Canada to do his research. As I carefully kept my distance from the expensive piece of machinery, I asked Philip where he had been on the prairies in the past few years to conduct his research.
1: Well, social media is great for like projecting like very polished images, and like everything is perfect. And I think the term is toxic positivity. Yeah. So let's let's just name that there. Um, but uh, yeah. So I've been very fortunate to be a part of the water research going on at the U of S. Um, there's a lot that's been going on. We funding wise has been very successful, and so we've had the last. Um, I think we've got a year left and it has been Global Water Futures. So this has been this really big cross Canada effort to try and understand water and where it's headed for the for the country and and globally. And so my 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 part of that has been really focused on kind of two things. One is all this agrohydrology. So We've we have all these sites near here where we're standing in this field by Clavette. Um we've had sites, you know, we got a little bit further south down to Keniston, but like I said, we can't it's it's hard to do this. So we, we are limited in how far we can go with the scope. Um but then another part of the work that I do, I do I work a lot with John Pomeroy in who's the director of Global Water Futures, and he a large component of his work is out in the Rockies. So that's where um I get to go and play in snow that is way deeper than what we have out here Um, and so yeah and then uh, another aspect of my work is doing a lot of drone remote sensing so I didn't bring any out today because it's kind of hot and and drones well they have a tendency to overheat in these temperatures Um, but yeah so like a big part of that aspect of my work is measuring snow depths for example So I do a lot of that here in the prairies, but we also do a bunch of that in the Rockies. And so I've been very fortunate to be able to go out there. And we've got a research site in Fortress Mountain. Um, It's an old ski hill, currently cat skiing. Uh, And we get to run around there and fly drones. And then, uh, yeah. Is is that as much fun as it sounds? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) No, when you're doing, like, when you go somewhere for work, it's it's work yeah right and so it's hard it there are there obviously are times when you're like sitting on the ridge and you're at 2500 meters elevation above the tree line and it's beautiful snow everywhere and you're like okay this is pretty cool yeah you know um but then you have to pivot from that to being like okay well that really expensive drone that's flying in the air i don't want that to crash right and i want to make sure as well that the we're actually collecting data, right? And so there's, there's, there's like other aspects that tend to get in the way of like pure enjoyment yeah. <laughs> because you have a job to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So with,
0: with that job to do, the fact that you're not only part of this big team in Saskatoon, but this national team as well, what, what is that like as a researcher?
1: Well, it's one of these things of like, you know, you. the last thing you want to do is be on your own in a small room, grinding a wheel and being like, no one cares, right? Um, it's really hard to get motivated. So when you're part of these larger groups, um, we still are all working individually, but you have this, you know, it's, it's a community, you know, it's, there's a common purpose to it. There's a little bit of motivation that comes through that. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, well, Everyone went through COVID. So we all know what it's like to be stuck alone. Yeah. So to have those networks was, is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Are are there, are there other like Phillips out there doing like work kind of similar to you, like in, in Manitoba or Southern Alberta or, or, you know, places like that? I like to think that I'm special.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's at least what my mom told me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's people working on this, obviously. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not a problem that only I have figured out that needs to be solved. Okay. Like there's lots of people working on it, but everyone comes at it in slightly different ways. Okay. Right. So, um, it's agriculture. So we have a lot of, you know, people coming from the agriculture side, you know, based their, their fundamentals are soil science and, and agronomy and, and, and those aspects, um, but, you know, for what I like to think is unique about where I'm coming from is I'm coming from the water side. So um, I think that these two worlds sometimes haven't talked very well to each other um, because we have different goals, right? But really, we no, we don't. We have the same goal. We want to understand the system, the environment, how it works, you know, how it can be better. Yeah. Um... That's really interesting because, yeah,
0: um, you're not the first guest to say, and not not in in terms of this topic, but like in in various aspects of, you know, whatever it is they're doing, you know, you're maybe trying to work with someone who on the surface, it looks like you have different interests, but really at the core of it, you're, you have the same interests at heart, you should be pulling in the right
1: direction. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that's what you're doing. Oh, you try to, yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it, that, that is what I hope to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, it's this, all, it comes down to like, um, the more we know, the more we can share, the more we can work together, you know, there's, there's only good things happen from that. Right. Right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, so yeah, like, uh, I am I'm I've been quite fortunate like so I'm I'm clearly sitting in the academic world. Um I have very little um say like I have the essence of academia is to learn and to share your knowledge and disseminate. You can obviously still have like a lot of competition within that cuz like I want to be the first to learn this. Yeah. Right? Um And I want to put my name on these things. But, like, if I learn something, I have no reason not to share it, right? And so I feel like I've been very fortunate in that aspect is that I've been able to do that. um, Because it's been this place where I can learn how to do what I do. Um, It makes me, allows me to have connections and allows me to jump between various groups who who are interested in water. So I get to talk to you you know, coming out and doing some podcasting yeah. and here we go, yeah. right? Or I can go talk to a farm group or a agronomy business or I can go to an academic conference, right? Like these are all different places that um, need this knowledge and I am able to do so. So that's that's very, I don't know, I'm very fortunate in that aspect.
0: So with your with your knowledge that you are you are accumulating right now um what what do you what do you hope people will take away from it whether whether they are farming around saskatoon or whether they're you know living you know just off of broadway in saskatoon mm-hmm. or something like that what what do you hope people will take away and that might be a tricky question because i know you're still doing some of the research but like what do you hope people will take away um
1: huh that's a big question i know big question big question i think there's many things that i want people to take away but um everyone's at a different place to receive information um and uh yeah the conversation i have with someone in on broadway is going to be different than the random farmer who stops on the side of the road and is like well that's a really big drone in the ditch what are you doing right so which has happened and i'm happy to have those conversations as long as i'm not trying to land it (laughs) so uh yeah it at the end of the day what i want people to understand is that um we do know a lot about water in the prairies um oftentimes it's kind of comes across as mysterious and like we're often think that we're just vulnerable to our climate to to the weather, right, you know, like oh, we don't have any we can't control it, and for the most part, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that we do, yeah. but there there's enough knowledge and there's enough abilities to understand what's going on in in certain places like the research community where we can do things with that knowledge to make things better, right? So, you know, we talk a lot about zero-till, right? There's this big transition. We went from summer fallow, and now we're doing zero-till. And we have continuous cropping, which is a huge, huge thing. Game-changer, right? Um, but uh, within that, we still have... And, and and that was one thing that we did, on like we being the prairies um, to basically become way better at water conservation in our agriculture. And cause that's going to be the thing short of Manitoba. Cause I'm going to pick on them again. Um, that's going to be thing that's going to be holding us back. Right. And so uh, w- there are still more things that we can do in terms of water conservation, for example. Um, so there's, Yeah. I'm getting really long-winded on this one. Okay. It was a big question. It was a big question. Yeah. We know a lot more about water than you might think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, To translate that into like tools for farming is a hard one. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Um, To translate that into um, knowledge that, you know, policymakers can use to make you know more informed policies is 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 what i want to do because there's a lot of talk around policy versus farming realities you know um i'm not in the middle of that so i'm not going to touch that hornet's nest um but like we need more knowledge we need to communicate we need to do all those things and that's kind of it's kind of why i put my neck out on the twitter right so it's like there are things we can do, there are things we do know um some of it is known, some of it's not um yeah. yeah, are you hopeful? oh yeah, yeah yeah, um there's always gonna be challenges um you look at the history of agriculture on the prairies. it has not been smooth. <laughs> we're still here uh what's to come next um it's gonna also have challenges right we're gonna have this is like this big unknown is like what what climate change will do right and you know we can look at global models and it says certain things but you know what does that actually mean to us because there's a lot of nuance to the prairies that Global models don't capture, right? And so, like, I haven't talked at all about winter to you. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: you haven't. It's hard to picture winter when it's 36 degrees and we're standing in a field and, and I'm emitting so much lawn radiation. Long wave. Long wave radiation
1: because yeah. I'm cooking. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah, no, you haven't mentioned winter.
1: Yeah. No, it's like this this thing that makes the prairies completely different, right? And so... We need we need to integrate that kind of stuff into our understandings because there's things in there that we can do that can make the summers better in terms of water, right? How, we, how high we cut stubble changes how much water is available to, for plants in the summer, for example. Like, there's this whole system that we have that we can think that we're subjected to, but really it's kind of at our disposal in some ways to try and... I don't know. I, this, this sounds very anthrocentric to manipulate. I don't want to say that we can, but there's things that we can tweak. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we can change how much snow there is on this field. Will Mother Nature translate that into a specific amount of additional crop being grown in the summer? Well, probably not. But there's things that we can do, right? So there's 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 all these things that I kind of get excited about. So,
0: Phil, thank you so much. It, it has been an absolute pleasure spending a Friday afternoon with you, and I, and I I so I so admire the work that you do, and I can't wait to see where your research goes. So thank you.
1: You're, you're welcome. I'm also curious where it'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes.
0: This has been episode one, season five of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. A big thank you to Philip Harder for spending an entire afternoon with me to appear on the podcast. And thank you to Jay Family Eddie for squeezing me into his very busy schedule. His podcast is called What About Water, and you should really listen to it. Listen and follow to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or on the website YXEUnderground.com. And that's where you can find every single episode of the podcast. And if you like what you hear, please write a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to find YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll see some lovely photos of Philip Harder taken by my friend and pro photographer, Rana Andres. Thank you for all of your help, Rana. I also want to thank my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for creating the theme music to YXE Underground and Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for creating and maintaining the website. If you need a website built, Danger Dynamite are the people to see. Now before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Tamra Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.